Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and it's another Thursday evening here on the blogtalkradio.com network, and always excited to uh, do these evening shows particularly, and uh, always excited to have uh, a couple of great uh, professionals to join me on the Coach's Corner panel, and I'll introduce those uh, gentlemen in, in just a moment. And then a little bit later on, as uh, Andrew had mentioned, uh, we're going to be joined by my very special guest this evening is Elliot Sullivan. He's the Golf Operations Director at Windstar Golf Club in Oklahoma. Uh, he's going to be joining me here a little bit later on in the broadcast. Um, but thank you, everybody, for joining me live. We are live every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And for some reason, if uh, you're not able to Join us live, not to worry. Just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. Scroll down to the on-demand section, and all of the shows that are uh, live are also auto-recorded, so you can listen to them when it's convenient for you. But thanks for joining us live for those of you that can make it. All right, I've got two great guys uh, joining me on the panel tonight. Uh, first up is John Hughes. He's a PGA Master Professional and the Honorary President of the North Florida PGA Section. He was also recipient of the 2013 PGA of America's Horton Smith Award. Uh, he's also a senior editor and Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor and part of the Golf Tips advisory staff. Also joining on the panel tonight is another good friend, uh, Pete Buchanan. He's the founder and director of instruction and owner of Plain Simple Golf LLC, which of course houses the Plain Simple Golf Circuit and the Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace. Uh, he's been uh, helping golfers focus on building a repeatable swing, and he's been doing that for 30-plus years. So please welcome the guys to the panel tonight, uh, John Hughes and Pete Buchanan. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ted. Hi, Ted. Hi, Pete. Hey, John. All right. So Pete's going on holidays here in about a week's time. He's going to be heading down towards my neck of the woods uh, you were just telling us you're going to Rosemary Beach, uh, you and your wife and uh, another uh, couple friend that are going to be uh, down there as well. So you're going to you're going to leave the golf clubs at home, or are you bringing them with you? Oh no, they'll stay home. These these trips are all about uh, doing doing nothing but vacation. So we'll we'll arrive, put the keys in the bowl, and it said uh, I'll be at the beach. So if you need to go somewhere, there's the car. So that's about it. <laughs> Yeah. I hear you, brother. That's the way to do it. That, yeah. You've got to have a little yeah. bit of uh, 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 vacation away from golf. Uh, as much as we love uh, this great game, it's nice to get a little bit of a, a breather from it as well. Um, all right. Absolutely. So, guys, tonight we're going to talk about – yeah, 
good stuff. Well, I hope you have a great time, and hopefully the weather will stay uh, fantastic. It's been great down here the last several weeks. Uh, a little steamy, but that's all right. You're going to be on the Gulf of Mexico, so you'll be able to take a dip your more than your toes in the in the water to cool off. Um, all right, so guys, we're going to talk about um, what would make golf more fun. This is a, actually a conversation I had earlier in the week with my good friend Cindy Miller, and I thought this would make uh, for some great discussion tonight on the Coach's Corner panel, especially with you two guys, because I know that fun is, is part of your vocabulary as well when it comes to golf. And uh, I'm going to start, John, if you don't mind, with you. Um, and the first question is taking a golf vacation. Uh, there are many great places to go, uh, obviously here in Florida where we are and, and uh, up north, uh, Michigan is an example, especially in the summer. It's uh, warm up there and a lot of great, great uh, courses to play. Uh, and, of course, the price is always right. Uh, I think playing a few days in a row can be good for your game. I think it's good to get out there and, and have some fun, obviously. But uh, tell us about taking a golf vacation. What would you recommend John, if one of your students came to you and said, you know what, I really want to do a golf vacation, um, what would you recommend, not necessarily where, but uh, what would you recommend that they do, and, and how is it going to help them long-term? Uh, great question. Thanks again, Ted, for the honor of being on the program. Uh, Pete, always looking forward to the lively conversation. My gut tells me there will be a lot of chuckles along the way today if we're talking about summer <laughs> vacations. Uh Great question. I, I get this answer. I get this question asked a lot because of the nature, part of the nature of my business. People come to me for golf vacation, so I'm always asking them, "What are they doing beyond just the golf?" Before they show up, I want to know so I how to I know how to plan the day. But while they're while they're there in my company, I'm always asking, "Well, what did you do for dinner? What did you kid if you if they brought kids? What did the kids do? Or what did the spouse do?" Or if they're staying with somebody, what did you guys do with that? I think that's really the key. You can go almost anywhere in the world and play some phenomenal golf courses. And I would say even more importantly, have a phenomenal golf experience. You don't have to go to a top 25 course in the world to experience a fantastic golf experience because the entire experience is partially off the golf course. Uh, what you're going to mm-hmm. do before and after, where you're staying, all those other things make up the entire trip. But when I get the question, right. well, where should I go and play, I'm always asking people, I always turn around and say, well, what are you passionate about? Where have you not been? Uh, what's, what's one of the bucket list things you'd like to do? And what's your budget? And normally the budget question can sometimes bring a downer to the conversation, but chances are either myself or one of my clients have been to these more budget-minded places as well as the higher-end wish list places. It's just a matter of, I hate to use this term when we're talking about fun because fun can definitely throw you out of balance, but look at everything and try to figure out what's a well-balanced vacation. Uh, I just recently took one back in June. First vacation I had had in over 10 years, and it was golf-related. I actually went to Casa de Campo in, in the Dominican Republic and played golf every other day. 
but the balance of what was planned was for my wife and I to just sit back and do something else besides golf because I'm in the business. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for my golf game, really helped out a lot because I don't get to play a lot, and that's something you have to – that was part of your question, how does it help your game? You, you have to decide that up front. Are you going to improve your game? Are you going to have fun with your game? Are you going to have fun with some friends with your game? Or are you just going to have some fun? And, and with this the discussion we all had before we came on air, sounds like Pete's just decided he's going to have fun, and there's nothing wrong with that, especially if you're going to take your clubs with you. So look for balance, look for fun, but stay within your means so you can have some fun. The worst vacation you can have is when you get home and you sort of knock yourself in the head going, what did I just do? <laughs> Some great, great points. Pete, I want to approach the same question a little bit differently with you. John certainly has raised a lot of uh, great points, and I'm sure uh, you, you feel the same with uh, many of them as well. Maybe you have some other ones. You know, the, the thing is really – uh, you have to look at there's a couple of different options really that you can do uh you know i years ago i took a a, a guy's trip we went to myrtle beach um uh, a premier place to, to go for for golf if you just want to go and and do nothing but golf uh but as john pointed out you know if you want to do some other things there's other factors i mean you're, obviously it is a golf vacation you're going to play some golf but you don't have to be limited to that so if you were given the same option a student or maybe a friend of yours that uh, approached you and said, hey, Pete, you know what, I'd really like to put together a good golf vacation. What would you recommend? And what would you want them to really look for um, based on maybe their skill or their involvement in the game to begin with? What are your thoughts here? Well, you know, super questions. And again, John, you're right. There will be some chuckles involved. I'm I'm almost positive. So, um, you know, if they're really looking to work on their game, you know, I spent a long time, you know, running golf schools. And, you know, if they want to do some learning and playing and have a vacation, those are all wrapped up into one great package. And you talk about some great places to stay with some great food, uh, you know, some golf instruction, the golf, and, you know, at a reasonable price, you know, those are some things that I would recommend if they're looking to work on their golf game. So they can get all of those things combined into one you know, depending on where they want to go. Um, the other side of the coin, you know, I really like what John said. I mean, what are they looking to do? I mean, is it, is it a time to to get away, to relax? Um, are there other things you want to do? Um, you know, I think you, could, you can always get a lot of things done in that vacation, but, you know, to a sense of, of trying to figure out, you know, you know, what is it really for? What's your vacation for? Um, and so looking at that background, I think, helps a lot. But I think from an overall golf standpoint, I mean, there's so many great places to go. There's so many packages that you can put together. Um, I think I would I would figure out what part of the country they want to go to and then start looking at what's available in those areas. Um, you know, so there's, there's so many things. We've done some great trips to Colorado, um, you know, up in Michigan, you know, just some great places that you can get away and, and – you know, a lot of golf, a lot of fun. Um, and I would even try to steer them maybe if, if they're interested to, you know, a place they've never been before. You know, those are always mm-hmm. fun too. You know, go to a different area of the country you've never been to. I'd love to go play some golf in Maine. I've never been there, but I'd love to go up there. Everybody tells me it's beautiful up there. So, you know, that could be something from just from a, 
you know, geography standpoint, oh, why don't you go somewhere you've never been? And, uh, you know, as long as it's, you know, cost effective that they can do it. But, no, I, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to, to put, um, you know, everything together. But I think, you know, in today's world with so many vacation planners and, and everything that's going on, I think you can really put together a great package, you know, really depending on where you want to go and what you want to do from, you know, if it's if it's you have people that aren't playing golf that are coming along, there's great things that they can do as well. So, you know, I think it's just a matter of finding out what they want to do and then helping them find that uh, particular package or place, and uh, you know, go from there. Yeah, great answer as well, and a lot of great points. You know, I think really when you look at it, there's a couple of factors, and I, I I've sort of alluded to one of them. You know, if you're doing a, a buddy's trip, for instance, you know, you might want to go somewhere like a Myrtle Beach where it's just nothing but golf. That's what you're doing, golf. You go out and eat and, and you get up and do the same thing, you know, rinse and repeat, as it were. Um, but there's also some great golf vacations, as, as both of you alluded to. If, um, let's say, your partner, let's say your wife or, in uh, case of women, maybe their husband plays, and they've now, uh, as more women come into the game uh, and, and want to play, this is something, it's a great opportunity for them to take a nice vacation somewhere um, that they can do uh, an activity together and have a lot of fun. And, you know, maybe if they have a, a couple that they travel with, they can do it as a foursome and go and, and play some great places. And again, depending on their, their skill level and that um, is going to also help to dictate where they're going to go. They, there's a lot of great courses out there that are um, very, you know, uh, very easy or friendly, golf friendly, if you will. And then there's others that are far more challenging. So you have to find what's going to suit your game. And that's maybe where your professional can help a little bit. They're kind of familiar with, with some of the, uh, the bigger name areas and, and uh, a lot of the resorts out there. So it's, it might be a conversation if you're taking lessons from somebody to have a conversation with them and say, hey, you know, we're thinking of taking a golf vacation. Uh, you know, you know our, our level of play. What, what are your thoughts here? So uh, not to say that they're going to plan it for you, but that might be a place to start. So that's one area that I think uh, that can help make uh, golf a little bit more fun for everybody is to is to get out there now, especially since we've all been kind of cooped up for so long, uh, you know, dealing with the pandemic. People are itching to go somewhere and do something, and golf, uh, fortunately, has worked uh, and served very well for a lot of people, not just us in the business, but for everybody in general because it's sort of got that built-in social distancing and, and uh, allows us to be outdoors and enjoy the the, the weather and everything else going on. So uh, some great uh, answers. All right. So um, having said that, uh, John, we uh, we also got to work at developing a group of golfers that you really enjoy playing with. Uh, you know, uh, maybe it might be a, a guy's trip or something. Um, this is something, too, I think, at making fun, not just going on a trip, but just, um, you know, for a lot of the new golfers, particularly that come out that don't know a lot of people, um, you got to put a little work into it to find a good group that you're going to enjoy playing with. What are your thoughts here? That certainly helps unless you plan on going it alone, which some people do. And Ted, if you, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're interviewing well for my new marketing position with my golf schools here in Orlando. <laughs> so keep, keep talking the way you're talking. Um, uh, no, you do have to enjoy who you who you play golf with. There, there's some old sayings about a lot of different things with who you spend mo the most time with is who you're going to become and all this, this other stuff. But at the end of the day, and I've been on these trips, one person can really set the whole thing in a reverse gear on you. 
most of the time, if you're playing golf with a group of people locally, you're probably going to be okay if you get on a plane or in a car and go somewhere and play. Uh, but then again, I've, I went to the Dominican on my own and found someone there to play with that I still keep in touch with a few weeks later that we may catch up with uh, spouses again and go somewhere else. So there, there's a lot of opportunity to meet new golfers. I would, I always suggest to people, make a, make a choice. Are you going on your own or is this something that you're going to do as a group? And is this group compatible both on and off the golf course? Is it somebody that you've socialized with, uh, with spouses and such? I've, I've got a client who puts together two trips a year, one as a business uh, venture, the other one as a social venture with his neighbors and friends. And he's always telling me that the business one is a little bit more high-pressured, not because everybody's mm-hmm. is or isn't a golfer so much as they don't know each other. And you, you sort of mm-hmm. go through those steps a little of trying to figure it all out and not upset the apple cart, where his fall trip, which is all his buddies, uh, there's no holes barred because they play golf together all the time. They they have cookouts at each other's homes. Their kids play with each other, uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah, understanding who you're going with is certainly something important unless you're going to go it on your own. Uh, in my case, it was purposely designed, hey, let me get away. I'm, I'm around people all the time. I just need some solitude, and you just never know who you might meet in that type of situation as well. There's Every place has the ability to accommodate you, whether it's a solo trip or a group trip. It's just a matter of asking the right questions as to what location's best going to suit you and or your group. And, and most group uh, coordinators at golf resorts in particular, I deal with a lot of them across the country for years. They're really good at directing you as to Hey, you need this kind of accommodation or that kind of accommodation. You need to play this course versus that course, and let's have you play in the morning because your poker game starts at three. Or uh, the 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 wine uh, tour starts at nine, so let's play at three kind of thing. These are again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going way off tangent here, but what I'm trying to basically say is everybody that you play with, there's something in common. Make sure that as you pick that place, you can keep those things in common. Yeah, there, there's a lot of different factors um, when it comes to that, and I, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, when you're, when you're in a, a business environment, again, you're, you know, you may not be, de- you know, if it's it, clients and so forth, um, that you may be playing somewhere and, and uh, you know, you don't have the same rapport with them as you do your close uh, friends and associates. So it, it is a little bit more, I could see where that would be for a lot of people, a very um, pressure-type uh, situation. Um, Pete, you know, something else, too, that I think, at least for me, certainly may not be for everybody, but I think it's something you need to at least try once in your life um, if you have any interest in golf, and that is to watch a golf tournament in real time. And I don't mean on the television. We always see stuff on TV, but we don't really get to appreciate it. I used to, when I lived back up in Canada – used to go to the Canadian Open all the time. And, of course, I've been to PGA events here in the States as well. Um, but I used to really enjoy, uh, you know, every week, uh, you know, there was always a different event playing in my area, um, not always a PGA, but uh, 
I, I would go to the PGA events when they were there, um, coming down to uh, upstate New York as well. Um, what are your thoughts here? This is something, too, I think that a lot of people could benefit from. And it is a lot of fun actually being there on the course uh, or at the course watching uh, some of the best players, or even if it's um, uh, some other competition, a state amateur or some other pro tournament, not necessarily PGA or LPGA, um, in your area, uh, there's a lot of benefits that you can draw from that. Maybe you could talk about a few. Oh, there definitely are. Um, you know, just I get the question all the time because I'll have a lot of a lot of my clients that will be going to an event and they'll ask me, you know, what should I look for? And, you know, I'll give them some things – you know, watch the short game, watch their routines, look how consistent they are. I'll go over to the driving range and watch them warm up, watch them practice, watch the guys practice and afterwards. Look at the, the how diligent they are in the things that they do. And then when you're on the course watching them play, I mean, just, just watch how they play the game, um, their demeanors, how they handle themselves. Um, Watch them around the greens. How they did you look at what they're trying to do? So I think they can learn a lot from just looking at how these players, you know, uh, present themselves as they go around the golf course. And and you know, from from that point of view as well as you know, I remember when the PGA came here, and um, I had tickets for Sunday's round, and my son was like, I'm not really sure I want to go, and I said, You've got to come. I said, you've never heard a tiger roar before, so you have to experience that. The tiger was playing, and he was up towards the lead. And so we were sitting on four fairway, and, you know, as the leaders came, all of a sudden you could just see a giant mob coming. And with every other mm-hmm. player in the lead group, so it was maybe, you know, 10, 12 media, and with tiger there was 200. Yep. So, and then the roar, it makes birdie, and the place just goes bananas. So, you know, he was like, you know, what an experience that was. If you've never heard that before, um, it's something that uh, is is totally different. Uh, so that you know, from just from a fan experience, I mean, we both had a great time with that. You know, I've been around the game a long time, but you know, those are those are things that are, that are fun to do. I, I'm a little bit different when I go. You know, I like to I like to watch them practice. I'll go to the range and plant myself there for a while mm-hmm. to to see what they're doing and working on. Um, but I know from just from a player standpoint, whether if you're just going to be a fan, you know. Uh, to try to find yourself a spot and, you know, move around a lot. I, I like, you know, I don't like sitting in one spot for too long a time, but I like to move around and see as many players as I can and, and um, you know, just kind of walk around and see what's going on. But there's a lot of great things to see and a lot of great things to learn from from how the players, you know, on any level, how they present themselves and, and how they work through in different situations and, and uh, you know, just getting an idea of, of, you know, how they play the game, which is really what it's all about. They're players. And so it's fun to watch people who, you know, can really play exceptionally well and, uh, you know, how they, how they move around the golf course. You know, great, great points. Um, you know, I always love going, and it's like really any sporting event. There's an energy when you're right there in the thick of things. You know, when you watch it on TV, it's certainly, you know, when you watch something like the Super Bowl, it's certainly exciting, but it's even more exciting if you're, you're up in the stands. Well, here, you know, you get a chance, as you pointed out, you get to walk around and, and what a great, if, if you really want to pick up some solid tips, do as uh, what you suggested, Pete, and that is to go to the range or the practice area and watch these guys warm up. And just to share a little chuckle, if you will, um, back several years ago when John Daly, uh, shortly after he first came on the scene, and he, of course, won the, the 91 PGA Championship, 
Um, he was just a, a phenomenal player to watch. And he came up to the Canadian Open at Glen Abbey. And they used to have a trailer uh, or RV at the end of the range uh, on the other side of the fence. And, of course, John was a long ball hitter. And he I swear he had to have done this on purpose. But he was off in the corner of one of the, of the range because he was so long. And he was hitting on an angle. And about every second or third shot, you would hear it bounce off of this trailer. And eventually the guy that was in the trailer, I don't even know what the trailer was there for. The guy finally came out and he had a radio in hand. He was calling somebody and they had to get John to aim somewhere else because he was putting dents in the side of the guy's trailer. And, you know, it was, it was just amazing to watch these guys. And as I said, I don't know whether he was doing that uh, intentionally or not, but it was uh, it getting a lot of attention uh, to say it. But, you know, he would also work on his short game. And, uh, you know, he not only was a long ball hitter, but he was, had a great finesse game uh, with his wedges and, and even his putter as well. So, again, you can learn a lot from these guys and um, just watching them on the range. And, you know, I had the pleasure of following a lot of some of the best players in the world uh, around that golf course uh, over the years, including Nicholas and uh, Trevino and, and many, many other top players as well. So a lot of great fun going to it, and I strongly encourage anybody tuning into the show tonight, if you get a chance, if you have not been one, uh, or if you have a friend that has not been to one but is interested in golf, uh, next time you attend it, invite them and bring them along because I guarantee they're going to have a lot of fun. John, I want to talk about something a little bit different, and this may not be for everybody as well, um, but learning a little bit of the history of the game. Uh, I think anything that you have an interest in uh, gets better the more you know about it. Understanding some of the history of golf will add to your enjoyment. Um, a lot of people that love baseball, for instance, uh, know a little bit about its history and enjoy it. And uh, there's also some great golf writers out there that you can read up on as well that can talk to you a little bit about that, and you can read some great articles about the history of the game. Um, what do you think about something like that? I mean, I'm not saying that you have to do a deep dive into uh, necessarily the history, but I think understanding a little bit of the history of the game, um, how it got started, and uh, just some of the overall history uh, can also be a lot of fun too. What are your thoughts here? Absolutely. Uh, the obvious places within the United States where there's a ton of history, Pinehurst, Pebble Beach, uh, come to mind immediately, but then there's a ton of other smaller places that pack a wallop when it comes to history. Mm -hmm. Certainly places you can go and visit, have some fun, and, and see the smaller bits of, of the game. Uh, you want to venture out a little bit, cross the pond, go to Scotland, obviously, and St. Andrews and the things that go on there uh, and, and what they have to offer. But I think you can find a little bit of history in golf just in your local neighborhood, believe it or not. Uh, I'll give you an example. Years and years ago, the city of Wilmington, North Carolina, was thinking about either closing were redoing the golf course and the entire city council wanted to close it and someone found out it was a Donald Ross golf course and it was one of the last ones he mm -hmm. ever designed and it was designed with uh, certain machinery that was no longer available and so forth and they ended up keeping the golf course it's it's a it's stellar 
the, the way they've kept it going, not only from a condition standpoint of view, but from an operation standpoint of view, and they've embraced the fact that Donald Ross is the architect. And when you go into their clubhouse, at least the last time I was there a long time ago, you would actually see the various historical uh, photos and, and such of that golf course. You, you'd be very surprised if you just looked around what history of golf may be lurking very close to you. And, and understanding it, absolutely. I know I've grown a better affection and a better respect for the game, understanding its history and where, it's, where we've come you also get a little bit better understanding of the future of the game by understanding the history, why the technology is is doing what it's doing and, and how it can evolve the game while at the same time understanding and respecting the origins of the game for it to not become something that it's that it was never not necessarily never intended to be, but not not necessarily to be as complicated as you might want to make it as, as technology allows us to evolve. So there's there's tons of history to be soaked up. And you don't have to go far. You can look local. But if you're looking for the bigger bite of the apple, the World Golf Village in St. Augustine, Kiowa Island, the 1991 Ryder Cup, that's, that's historic. That's one of my favorite places to go. There's, there's tons of places out there, and it doesn't take much to find them. You just have to be open-minded enough to say, you know what, this is part of the history of golf, and it, it's going to give you a better appreciation for everything about the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. And, and you know, Pete, um, I think there's also two – you know, I think what really makes it fun is, is developing an appreciation for the beauty and even the challenges that the golf course uh, you're playing are going to provide. You know, Mark Twain famously called golf a good walk spoiled. Um, I don't believe that. I think you're, uh, you can make your golf a good walk made better uh, by enjoying uh, the surroundings on the golf course. Uh, again, we uh, around it quite a bit, so we understand maybe a little bit more than some. Uh, obviously enjoying your playing partners, which we just talked about, but also accepting the challenges of the game. Uh, there are certainly challenges we know that, and that's what we're here for is to try and help people uh, develop that. But um, maybe you could touch on a little bit of that is, is helping people to understand really uh, differently than, than many other activities, golf provides a unique uh, atmosphere with which we play. The golf courses uh, are, are quite exquisite, most of them that we've, we've been to. Uh, obviously having some good playing partners, but also the challenging uh, aspects of the game uh, can also be fun uh, in, in a roundabout way. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, golf is unique in the sense that, you know, even though you have the structure of, of a golf course, you know, on a daily basis, the game changes. You can you move the tee boxes. You can move the pin on the greens. Um, it can be mowed one day, not the next um, you know, so those kinds of things make it a lot more fun and a lot more challenging uh, just from, you know, the field uh, changing on a, on a daily basis. But also just the, the beauty of the course itself, the different grasses, the different types of grass, the trees. Um, you know, it, it's really cool to, you know, to step back when you're actually on a golf course and just, you know, just look around at, at what's out there. Um, and, and it, you know, some of these golf courses, the, the, the landscaping and the design, but they're just beautiful places that they built. And when you consider, you know, what what was there before and, and what they built out of it, 
you know, it's just a, it's just a really cool atmosphere. I know I, I, I got the chance to play in New Zealand and we were playing a tournament uh, round in one of the days and, and I passed one of my, uh, you know, fellow golf school guys on about 15. And he says, Hey, how are you playing? I said, I have no idea. Have you been looking at the scenery out here? I mean, every tee box was a <laughs> postcard. I said, I have no idea. I'm enjoying the heck out of myself. This is one of the, the prettiest places I've ever seen. And so that can bring, you know, a lot of fun and a lot of, a lot of great times to golf. Just, you know, taking, taking a look at the, you know, the way they set the golf course up, the way they've, you know, mowed it, you know, sometimes they'll do some crazy cuts and you can see some different designs and what's happening. So, you know, it's really cool how the superintendents can, can really take the golf course and, and, you know, you know, really design and the way they cut it and the things they do. And, and, uh, you know, and sometimes they put the pins in some places that are, that are, uh, you know, maybe some might not, find it as much fun but i think i find it fun because there's a huge challenge to try to get the ball from where they placed it so um yeah it's it's you know golf is you know to me has always been a, a unique game i played i played a lot of sports but golf was always you know fun for me because of the challenge of it you know it wasn't it mm-hmm. wasn't easy to pick it up you know some of the other games you know you could play tennis and you know somebody can you know not serve it right and you you get a point um and in baseball, you've got some teams, um, but you know you find in golf it's it's a unique uh, situation. Um, you've got some boundaries set, and it's you know it's not an easy one to pick up at the start, but it's a great game to learn, and it's a lot of fun to play the game. So I think you know just taking in what you see and what's out there on the golf course uh, can make it even more enjoyable than it already is. You know, uh, again, some great points, Pete. You know. They don't even have to make changes at the golf course to challenge yourself each time. And we, being individuals, we're uniquely different from one another. We play differently from day to day. Some days we play really well, some days not so much. And, you know, it's interesting, too, if you're a little bit better player um, and you play a a course quite often, uh, maybe you're a member at a golf course. One of the things that um, my friends and I used to do to challenge ourselves to make it different you know, everybody thinks, well, we'll just go back to the championship tees, and that'll be a challenge. Well, no, sometimes actually moving up is a challenge as well because you're not used to playing it. If you're used to playing you know, a course that's uh, 65 uh, or even 7,000 yards and suddenly you move up to 54, it presents new challenges because it's a different club selection. So there's a lot of different ways you can play it without them having to do anything, playing from different tees. Um, obviously, in tournament play, you can't do that, but... Um, for just having fun. Sometimes playing up from the, the very forward tees can present some different challenges, different shots, different angles that you didn't think of, depending on the course and that. So there's a lot of different things that you can do. And, and again, um, you know, I can remember years ago, particularly, um, you know, again, when I was uh, up in Canada, quite often we would see early in the mornings as we were uh, out working on the golf course and so forth, um, you know, a, a small family of deer, crossing out in one of the, you know, the fairways ahead of us um, and uh, a lot of other different things. And, of course, you know, in Florida, I mean, it's not uncommon to uh, see some alligators. Of course, you've got to be careful of those. But uh, in the ponds and some snakes, of course, you've got to be also equally careful of those. Uh, but there's a lot of wildlife that a lot of times intersects on the golf course and, of course, a myriad of birds and things. So there's a lot of beauty in the golf course, I think, that people don't really appreciate because um, they're too focused on their game. Um, so, you know, take time, as they say, to smell the flowers, uh, 
and uh, and look at the scenery around you and and just enjoy the challenges. Accept the challenges. You're not always going to win, um, but uh, I think if you sort of do them all together, um, I think you'll uh, you'll come out on top. Um, John, we want to also take out some of the mystery out of the game, and this goes to becoming a better player. Once a player learns how to control what happens to the golf ball, uh, excuse me, the golf ball, the more fun the game is. Once you're able to Again, not master, that's a little bit too much of a, a strong word, um, but once you're able to play a little bit better and be able to control what the ball is doing a little bit more, um, the element of fun can go way up. What do you think? That's what keeps me in business, Ted. keeps Pete in business, too. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's learning the, what you're capable of doing with this however many ounces or grams the club you have in your hand, understanding what to do with it. And, yeah, it does with certain people exponentially increase the fun level. Uh, I've seen it the opposite where it can significantly decrease the fun level. Uh, But what's interesting is whether you can control the ball or not, you can control yourself. And that really, to me, is the core essence of whether you're going to have fun or not. Uh, whether you're on vacation, you're you're just out playing with some friends, the the normal Saturday game. It, it is how you control yourself as to whether you're going to have fun or not. I can remember sometimes being on a trip where one round was just phenomenal, and the next day because I played phenomenal the day before, the, the second day was awful. But I, I still had fun because of the people that I was around, and I wasn't going to let my inability that day to control the face of the golf club to prohibit me from having fun because, as I said before, one person can really ruin it for people, but you can ruin it for yourself as well. As you get better, as your skills improve, does the game get more fun? Absolutely, because you can challenge yourself a little bit more. You're able to do some mm-hmm. things that you weren't able to do before. You start surprising yourself. You start realizing what your potential could be. And the endorphins, that the, the rush that you're getting from that is more than intoxicating, and that's what fun's about. It, it is to get you involved and wrapped around something that you can become passionate about. Uh, Fun, to me, isn't necessarily a short-lived moment. That's a laugh. That's a joke. That's a chuckle. Fun is is everlasting, and it's something that you can seek refuge in when, when things aren't going so bad. The thing that I tell my clients that put 100% of their fun and their ability to control the golf ball is I remind them whether they're robotic or human and the difference between the two. And when you understand that your emotion does allow you to have fun and robots with no emotions can't have fun, it sort of puts it in perspective. So I, I, would, I would tell people, hey, it's great to improve your skill, but understand how far that's going to take you before it starts inhibiting your fun, your fun quotient. And always mm-hmm. go back to the reason why you started the game. It was to have fun. I think Pete will agree with us. Fun 
will allow you to be able to control the face of the golf club a whole lot more readily at times than you can with any kind of contrived effort that you would make. Yeah, I think a lot of people uh, obsess over it. There comes a point, we've even seen professionals who um, continually are constantly changing their golf swing. Nick Faldo comes to mind, even Tiger to some level. Um, and again, for, for obvious different reasons than maybe what you or I might do. But um, I, again, they're always in pursuit of, of uh, not so much perfecting the golf swing, but uh, you know, accomplishing certain things. So their, their main focus is on developing uh, those, those fundamentals and those mechanics to the way that they want. And sometimes that can be all-consuming. Um, obviously, they're there. They're professional. They're there for a different reason. It's not too much just to go out and have fun. They're there. It's a, it's a, a job for them, and, and it's a, a career for them. Um, but for the average Joe out there, um, if you will, I, th- I agree with you, John. I think that you know it's, it's great to always want to improve, but don't get so obsessed over the improvement that you forget the reason you're out there, and that's really to have fun. So I agree 100%. Um, Pete, I think another thing that I want to get your thoughts on here, um, you know, we talked about, you know, maybe, uh, you know, going out there and watching a golf tournament in real time. But the other thing is playing in a golf tournament, uh, whether it be your local uh, club championship, uh, maybe it's, uh, depending on your level, maybe it's an amateur event uh, somewhere in your, uh, you know, local area um, and or might even be competitive with your in your own foursome. Uh, but playing in and in, in creating some competition, I think, is also can be fun, given the right circumstances. Your thoughts? Oh, without we get into some competition, um, you know, it always you know makes it a little bit more fun. It challenges your game even more. It challenges who you are a little bit more. So, you know, I'd recommend you know many things that you you can play in. You know, if it's with you know daily matches. but the tournament play is always something that um, you know I would highly recommend that you know owners get into uh, just because it's it's just a different just a little bit different level that challenges so I think that make it you know definitely something that can enhance your game and show you where you're at and your are to move on than it already is. Um, I want to say one thing, and I, and I hate to interrupt this. We've got a monster storm on right now. I've got a tree down. So I'm going to have to run. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> it's from garage, so I'm going to have to go out, and, uh, and uh, my neighbor's knocking on my door, so i got to figure out what's going on. But uh, I hate to cut it short, but uh, we've got a monster storm that just ran through here, and so um, then I'm going to have to Not a- cut this to the left and see what's going on. Yep. Not a problem. Pete, thank you as always. Uh, be safe. Hopefully uh, nothing serious is going on, but uh, thank you as always for joining us on Coach's Corner, and we'll see you next time. All right. Thank Thanks, John. appreciate it. Good talking with you again. Thanks. Same here. Best of luck with that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I know we just had a, a, a more than a stiff breeze go through here, so I, I can relate. Uh, sometimes you're never sure if it's going to cut power or whatnot. So, and he was getting a little bit choppy, so more than likely they're having some issues up there as well. Um, John, I'm going to save uh, obviously this last question for you and I. Um, and uh, you know, if you if there's any thoughts that you want to add quickly uh, about uh, uh, playing in competition, anything you want to add to to what Pete was talking about? I think it was Pete was if he was phasing in and out. He, what he's basically trying to say is. Competition's healthy. 
competition's good. It helps you understand where you where you are with your game. Uh, competition can certainly get the best of you if you're if you're not ready for it. And the things that I always recommend to people is the simplest competition you can have is with yourself to better a simple skill set. Uh, if it's hey, I just made three putts in a row, can I make four? I, that, that's as simple as competition can be. You don't have to go play a tournament. Uh, play a tournament, pick the right tournament, pick the right skill level, pick the right golf course, uh, pick the mm-hmm. right time to go play. If you're not a cold-weather person, why are you signing up for a tournament in December in a borderline state of Virginia or North Carolina when it could become crazy on you otherwise? Um, mm-hmm competition uh, pardon me for being just so cliche-ish but golf is a microcosm of life and that being said what are you doing in your life golfer no golfer that isn't to some extent somewhat competitive whether it be your profession Mm -hmm. mostly uh, whether it be hey I'm going to have the best yard in the neighborhood is another competition you can think of there. Right. <laughs> it's okay to be competitive, but let's put it all in perspective. And when you keep it in perspective, your your thirst for the healthy competition increases, which can't do anything but improve you not only as a golfer but as a person because the more you learn to handle adversity under pressure, which is basically a, a simplistic way of defining competition, the better off mm-hmm. you're going to be. Yeah, and I and I think you I think it's good in a lot of different ways. You're exactly right. Both of uh, you and, and Pete were were exactly right. And I think you know there's a lot of leagues that may be in your area that uh, again um, sometimes uh, you know particularly for women's there's a lot of women's leagues open right now uh across the nation so you know if you're relatively new you might want to check with some of the local golf courses that in your area or if you play at a golf course um check and see a lot of times they'll have uh different leagues going on through the week it might be a regular tuesday league or what have you um and they can be a lot of fun and it's a great way you know as you pointed out earlier john to meet people uh to make new friends and a lot of times, sometimes they will piggyback onto something else. For instance, uh, some of them will have what they call a wine and nine. They'll play uh, nine holes and, and have some wine testing, uh, tasting as well uh, mixed in there or some other things that they've got going on. So it can be a lot of fun. And again, you know, you're not out there on the, on the, uh, the pro tour necessarily, but you're having some healthy competition, which makes it fun. And ultimately, as you said, you're, you're really competing against yourself and, and the elements that you're faced with. But um, again, I think it's fun to have some of those other extra challenges out there. All right, the final question, uh, John, and again, you know, um, this can be, uh, again, depending on how, how you approach things, uh, can be fun as well. And that is understanding how equipment works, how the golf clubs work. Um, obviously, we always try to recommend uh, as instructors that anybody that's uh, beginning to play that uh, and, and wanting to play with any sort of regularity, that they get properly fitted. Um, and I think when they understand how the equipment actually works, how it helps to propel the golf ball, uh, can be actually quite interesting once you get to know, have that knowledge. But getting properly fitted as well can make it for enjoyment of the game as well. Maybe you could touch a little bit about that as we get ready to wrap up. 
Sure. I, I, I can share two stories with juniors in particular, one that happened literally a couple of hours ago. I've got a new client prepping for a drive, chip, and putt, and the young man was talking to his father about which ball he should use, and he's getting totally enthralled in the marketing of the various ball manufacturers. And uh, as couples, myself, my wife, the father, the, the, the mother, were out uh, for some cocktails over the weekend. The father was telling me this story. I'm like, whoa, 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 that, that ball's not made for him. And mm-hmm. literally went out today and uh, got my flight scope out and said, what balls do you want to use in this competition? And we tried a bunch. We spent about an hour trying about six or seven different brands or models, uh, ones that he picked out, not anything I forced him into or suggested or, or likewise the parents. And he got a neat little education about just how balls can help you and, and make things more mm-hmm. fun. And he chose the right ball for his swing and swing speed for him to be able to create more ball speed, which hopefully equates to more points at his DCP sub-regional this this Saturday. But then I'll also turn around with another junior, uh, Declan Ward. He's one of my clients, longtime clients. Just by getting fit correctly with a professional fitter, gained 50 yards with his driver at 11 years old. Uh, because the driver that he was in, which was a very common brand, very reputable brand, he had just outgrown. That the shaft technology was never made for a super competitive junior. And being fit with the right people with the right equipment, it's changed his game and nonetheless had some fun. With the junior deceiving, it was fun to watch him have fun learning why different golf balls do different things. And with Declan, it was fun watching him have fun hitting it 50 yards further, his eyebrows just going straight through his head each and every time the first couple of months using this particular shaft in his driver. It was it was incredible. What's the theme of the story? Equipment, properly fitted equipment, can make the game a little bit more fun for you from this standpoint of view. You won't, it's one less variable you have to deal with, and mm-hmm. it's a the equipment best fit for you is going to give you the best opportunity for your skills to shine through. Uh, it's literally that simple. Now, that's not to say you couldn't go out with somebody else's clubs, rental clubs, or whatever, and still have fun. Absolutely, you can. Mm-hmm. I think really right. what you're asking from a question standpoint of view is when you're trying to reach another plateau of fun, which goes along with the competition, mm-hmm. and if everyone's really been listening, there's a theme to this word of fun that, Ted, you've taken, and it's from, hey, what's the foundational basis of fun, and where can that trunk of the tree grow in different branches with fun? based on who you are, what you're about, and how passionate golf is for you. And that's certainly been a great discussion. You know, I, I think, too, the other thing, you know, what people don't understand, you're exactly right. I mean, I, you know, growing up when I was younger, before I was really ever properly fitted with equipment, you know, I had some hand-me-downs from Dad, and, and uh, you know, they uh, certainly weren't what you would – ideally like to have your junior start with but it was a place to to begin with 
Uh, and I sort of equate it with a, sort of a humor aspect, and that is um, it, it's the same as uh, or the difference in playing uh, tennis with a, a properly fitted tennis racket or a fly swatter. One is obviously going to yield some better results than the fly swatter is going to. And, you know, when you have the proper equipment and it's there performing at its best, it's sort of going to make your life a little bit easier. It's certainly not going to uh, hit every ball straight for you. You've got to do uh, a little bit yourself. But when you're fitted properly and not just with the type of equipment, uh, but the proper flexibility in the shaft based on your uh, ability, swing speed, and so forth, and golf ball, as you pointed out with your student, um, again, it can make uh, a, a certainly enough of a, dif- a difference that you'll see some, some positive results. And ultimately, uh, when you're seeing some good results, uh, your brings up the level of your enjoyment. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different variables in this. And, and I, I wanted to, to talk about this discussion tonight um, because I, I think that, you know, as, as golf professionals, we see so many students come out and either they just absorb themselves so heavily in trying to hit every shot just perfect that they don't enjoy it anymore. They don't have fun. They don't, you know, relax. I mean, we all hit some good shots. We all hit some bad shots. Even the best of the best fall into that category. But, you know, we've got to remember that this is a game, um, no matter what level you're at, is you want to have fun and enjoy it. If you're not having fun, then it, it becomes very quickly like a task. Um, it becomes repetitive and it becomes uh, so to the point where it's not enjoyable anymore. And I think there are so many great opportunities, as we touched on earlier, taking some great golf vacations, just to go and have fun. Uh, don't worry about the score. You know, you, you made a, a great point earlier uh, as, as Pete has as well, you know, you get out there and, and, you know, sometimes you just forget about the score. Just go out there and have hit some great golf shots and just enjoy the beauty of the golf course around you. But go out and have fun. You know, there's a, there's a whole new group of individuals that have come to this game of all shapes and sizes and backgrounds and, and, and so forth that um, want to just go out and, and give it a try um, and I think that we want to make it as fun, as enjoyable as possible. Um, do we want to improve? Do we want to see them improve? Of course. Um, but I think if we take it from a standpoint of keeping it fun first, I think the way we teach, I think the way they learn uh, can be beneficial all the way around. So, um, John, great discussion tonight. I think, uh, I think we hit uh, the points very well. I think hopefully people will... Uh, be able to uh, listen to this. And, and again, as I mentioned earlier to the folks, if you're not, uh, weren't able to join us from the beginning, uh, you can go back later at the end of the show uh, when the recorded version is available at uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. And you can scroll down to the on demand section and you'll find it there and uh, you can listen to its entirety. So if you miss any of the show, not to worry, you can listen to the recorded version a little bit later on. But John, as always, um, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Uh, Pete's not here, unfortunately, for him to do it. But, uh, John, if you want to take an opportunity to let the folks know how they can reach you, if they want to reach out, and if there's anything uh, specific that you want to bring uh, to the audience's attention, now's the time. Sure. Thank you. First off, I hope Pete and family and house and home are okay. Uh, well wishes there, Pete. You can always reach me, John Hughes Golf, whether it's my website, .com, my social media channels by the same name, uh, always guaranteeing a, a communication reply if you're getting a t- 
touch with me by 5 o'clock. A lot of growth going on with John Hughes Golf right now. Uh, a lot to be thankful for and, and announcing here in the very short distance future. Very short distant future, sorry. Very short future. But also <laughs> want to remind people that if you can't see me in Orlando, you can get virtual coaching, uh, live streaming coaching from me through my virtual portal called Instant Golf Improvement, which is instantgolfimprovement.com. Really neat way in a very affordable way to get some world-class coaching from me and some other world-class coaches from around the world. So I hope uh, people take advantage of that shortly. And again, it's always an honor and pleasure, Ted. I appreciate the opportunities you've afforded me and looking forward to more in the future. Thanks. All right, John. Well, as always, uh, be be safe down there in in Orlando, and uh, keep doing a lot of the great work that you're doing. And we'll uh, we'll be in touch soon. And don't forget, you can always uh, see John in Golf Tips Magazine. He puts together a great milestone article uh, every issue. Uh, the next one's going to be coming out. Uh, we're working on it right now. In fact, he's already got his stuff uh, submitted. Uh, the November December issue will be coming out uh, in a, a month and a half's time, and uh, it's going to be part of this year. Will be the of course, the annual holiday gift guide with lots of goodies in there for those of you that like to uh, do a little shopping, pre-Christmas shopping, and uh, buy that golfer in your family that special gift that might just help their game. So uh, you'll see John in that uh, issue as well. Um, and John, always appreciate your input and thoughts in the game and also on the show here. So I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You guys do the same out there. Thanks. Bye. All right, John Hughes and Pete Buchanan. Uh, Pete Buchanan, sorry, Pete had to to slip away there. They were getting some rough weather in his area, so he had to uh, cut it short. But uh, thank you, Pete, as well. And uh, before I introduce my very special guest this evening, uh, we're going to take a couple of quick messages from some of our sponsors. This edition of Golf Talk Live is brought to you by Golf Pal, the best place to find only the finest in golf training aids and accessories. Get in on some great deals on leading products such as Down Under Board. Rob Soto, Golf Slingshot, and more. Visit GolfPal.Golf today. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Golf Pal, we're serious about your game. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back, everybody, and I'm very excited to have this evening's guest, uh, Elliot Sullivan, uh, is joining me uh, here in just a moment. He is the Golf Operations Director at Windstar Golf Club in Oklahoma. Uh, he's been teaching uh, professional, uh, as a teacher professional excuse me, at Windstar Golf Club since 2018. In 2019, he moved to his current role as uh, Golf Operations Director uh, before his time at Windstar, he was a golf professional at Prestonwood Country Club in Dallas. Uh, he's a native of Australia and uh, has more than 16 years of competitive playing and teaching experience uh, in the golf industry and enjoys particularly teaching golfers at every level 
uh, with a particular expertise in putting and, of course, the full swing. So we're going to talk to him about that and more uh, as we welcome our very special guest this evening, Elliot Sullivan. Good evening, Elliot. Welcome to Golf Talk Live. Yeah, Ted, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me on tonight. I appreciate it. Um, thank you. And uh, uh, always good to have somebody from down under on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, I can hear that Australian accent coming through loud and clear. So thank you for joining me tonight. Yeah, no worries. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everyone out there listening can understand me. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, not a problem. All right. So, Elliot, let me ask you, um, I, I told a little bit about some of your background um, but maybe you can share a little bit more. And I always like to do this with somebody that's never been on the show before, just to give them an idea, uh, the listeners, that is, of really how you uh, got involved in golf, uh, at what age were you uh, first uh, sort of hitting the links, as it were, and what sort of brought you to the game? What was it about golf that really sort of caught your eye as a youngster? Yeah, I kind of grew up playing uh, some team sports, and uh, my dad played golf he uh he introduced me when i was about 13 and um yeah i fell in love with it pretty much straight away had some uh had some good friends that played they uh kind of took me around and and helped me get that experience in there and um i think one of the biggest parts of it was that it was a game that i could rely solely on myself not that i didn't like team sports but you know if, if it went wrong it was kind of only myself to blame um so, yeah, it was a good, uh, it was a great bonding experience for me and my dad. And then, yeah, I mean, there's so many different opportunities in, in the industry as it is and, and, you know, playing some college golf and professional golf and, um, you know, it's a sport that you can, you know, you can really work in, in so many different facets of the industry, um, whereas a lot of other sports, once you're kind of done with it after high school or college or even some professional, whatever it may be, you know, there may not be that many opportunities for you. So, um, yeah, I've, I've loved the operation side of things uh, for a long time. I mean, obviously very competitive and, and love playing, but operations for me is kind of really where the sweet spot is. So let me ask you uh, just to, to, again, to continue on with that uh, part of the discussion for a second more. Um, so, you know, obviously as, as did I, I uh, got introduced to the game by my father at a very young age and, and um, grew into the game as, as time went on. And obviously you went on to play some competitive golf. Um, but then at some point you decided, you know what, I want to move into the teaching side. And that doesn't always happen. Usually either you continue on as a player or somebody decides very early on that they want to uh, be a teacher professional and, and sort of give back to the game. What was it or what was the sort of um, point in your career that you said, you know what, uh, I've played some competitive golf. I enjoyed it. I love that but I really enjoy the teaching aspect of it. What was, it, what was that sort of turning point for you, and, and what was it that really sort of got the juices flowing, if you will, for you in that area? Yeah, I was, uh, I was fortunate enough, I think, as a player to, earn, to, to learn pretty quickly that uh, my best days were really good, but they weren't good enough. Um, and in Australia, going through the, you know, the PGA program there, we have a, a huge exposure to, to teaching junior golf, um, and that is kind of where the, the love for the teachings out of things kind of developed. Um, I was in operations before I moved from Australia over here to the U.S. And uh, when I got here, I uh, moved kind of into, a, into an assistance position and, and coaching. Um, and it was kind of 
just a, a, an avenue that was kind of opened up to me. So I wouldn't say that it was it was necessarily the passion of teaching that took me in that direction to start with, but mm-hmm. um, the exposure that I had uh, kind of through my apprenticeship, um, right, something that I've always loved for sure. And you know, it, it, again, it's 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 an area of the game. I think that a lot of people, once they begin to sort of give back um, to a game that's given a lot to them to to start with, I think there's a certain element of enjoyment. I teach as well, uh, as did the uh, the previous guest. And there's just a you know, there's just something about helping others develop their game, particularly if it's a game that you really enjoy yourself. Um, and I think that. You know, obviously, you've seen it from both uh, avenues. You've, uh, again, played competitive golf, uh, but now you're in a position where you're able to share some of those experiences that you've had and translate that into your teaching uh, aspect of it and helping others to, to realize some of their potential as well in their game. So let's talk about Windstar uh, Golf. You've, As I mentioned, you began uh, as a teaching professional with them in 2018. You've now moved in, uh, as of 2019, into your current position as uh, golf operations director, tell us a little bit about Windstar, uh, and then we'll talk about in general uh, the overview of it, and then we'll talk specifically about Windstar Golf, some of the things that you guys are doing there. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a, a great facility we have out there. We're uh, with two 18-hole golf courses uh, designed by DA Weibering and, and Steve Alford Golf Design. Uh, it's really a destination property, which uh, set on about 280 acres and uh, resort-style golf courses. So it's pretty friendly to, to visitors to come out there. If you, if you take it back to the tips, it, uh, it can get pretty nasty. But, um, you know, we, we accommodate <laughs> a, a, a wide range of golfers, which is, which is great. You know, it's really a destination property. And um, two golf courses at Scissortail and Redbud uh, both have their kind of unique challenges. Redbud's a little bit more open. It's uh, more of a prairie golf course. And Scissortail has mm-hmm. quite a little bit more wooded holes. Um, but yeah, and then and we've got a, a, a beautiful golf academy that uh, that we teach out of. So very very fortunate to be to be where we're at. And we sit right next door to one of the world's biggest casinos. We have there's resorts there, there's pools, uh, 20 different restaurants you can go and eat at. So you know people coming from from DFW, from Oklahoma City, or from you know further away than that, you know it's really is a destination that they can spend a weekend with with their family or, or you know friends trips, um, you know play some golf and and you know, really experience what they want to experience. Well, and, and it sort of really plays in very well to the discussion I had with the two gentlemen before we talked about, you know, what would, you know, what would make golf more fun? And it sounds like Windstar has really a win-win. Um, you know, it, it not only has two great championship uh, golf courses, uh, but there's a lot of other amenities around as well. So for those that maybe want to come to uh, stay at Windstar that maybe are not necessarily uh, in, in golf or don't maybe play a lot of golf, there's a lot of other things to do uh, for them as well. So it's a great opportunity for people that are traveling uh, as a family, let's say, that maybe their kids don't play golf, but the parents do. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that they can be doing and enjoying. And obviously uh, the casino there is, is something for the adults to do uh, maybe as the evening progresses and, and uh, there's other activities that, of course, the kids can do. But um, there's obviously a lot there for everybody, a lot of different amenities, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Um, and the difference in the golf courses is, is unique as well. Um, you know, it sounds like scissor tail is more of a traditional style with more wooded uh, enclosure uh, on its uh, fairways, if you will, and red butt is more of an open, uh, probably similar, as you said, prairie or even a link style uh, golf course. So there's a lot of diversity there 
as well uh, at Windstar. Um, you mentioned about the uh, uh, Great Golf Academy there. Talk about that. There's a lot of technology involved. Uh, it's a pretty big facility. Uh, why don't you open up uh, the discussion there as to tell us a little bit about it first, and then we'll get into some specifics. Yeah, so the, the academy is uh, it's almost 5,000 square feet. Uh, so it's, a, it's a pretty big uh, academy. Uh, we've got indoor indoor putting, and uh, we, we use Sam Putt Lab, so Science in Motion, um, to, to teach and to fit with. We have two indoor uh, enclosed sim rooms or teaching bays, uh, which we use TrackMan V1, um, KVest, and we have a gym. And then we have 10 outdoor undercover, which would be heated and, and fan-cooled for the summer, but uh, undercover hitting bays that people can come out and hit if, there's, you know, if it's raining or if it's, if it's too mm-hmm. hot out or if it's, you know, if, it's, if it's too cold, we'll get the heaters on for them. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a great facility to come work and, and get some instruction and, and then go back and work on your game. And, and that's important, too, because, you know, again, at your facility, you want to be able to offer that world-class uh, golf academy because, again, sometimes people need a little tune-up on their game or uh, maybe they need a, a little bit more uh, involved lessons. And having that technology at hand as well is a great way to really dial in on the specifics of helping somebody, uh, understanding their ball speed, uh, understanding uh, you know, club face path and so on at your fingertips makes it much easier uh, for today's golf instructor to be able to get and isolate those areas that are, that are critical. And I want to talk about you as well specifically because I know, and I, I, I mentioned it in the, the intro, um, that you take a, somewhat of a holistic approach, if you will, to the game and how you uh, teach, and there's a couple of areas specifically that you really focus in. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, you know, we see we see such a varying degree of, of skill level, where whether it be you know someone that's never played golf before, or if it's somebody that that plays golf just a couple times a year, or you know maybe it's someone that's just on a you know a family vacation that that we may never get to see again. Um, you know, teaching them from from my perspective, it's it's you know how do we help them enjoy playing the game just a little bit more. Um, so that they keep coming back, you know, we don't want someone to come in and get a lesson and then they get frustrated with it and then they're done with it and, and they give the game up. When you, you see it so often, people come back, it's like, you know what, I got frustrated with it and I gave the game up for 20 years and I'm coming back to see you again. You know, it's like that <laughs> we want to get out of. So for me, it's, it's, it's how do I help this person enjoy their game a little bit more? It doesn't have to be super technical if we don't need it to be. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for for making this game, you know, more enjoyable for everybody, making it more accessible for everybody. And, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's the full swing. Obviously we're going to get that. We, we can't, we can't not get the ball off the tee because everyone wants to hit the ball off the tee. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, getting it, getting it somewhat closer to the center line, getting it closer to the green. And then, you know, putting is, is one of those things where um, you don't have to have the world's best technique technique, but if you can repeat it every single time, you're going to be a good putter. So those two parts of the game for me are, are, are pretty special. Um, but yeah, definitely a holistic approach. You know, you, you can't have one without the other. But again, helping someone enjoy their game just a little bit more than than they did the day before is is huge. Well, and I think it's also equally important too, because uh, again, as in- instruction evolves, not just with technology but in other areas as well, we're we're really starting to see um, that you know everybody's different. Everybody, how they play, how they swing, how they approach the game is entirely different. For years in golf instruction, you know, we, we sort of 
unfortunately, the industry kind of put everybody in the same box, and it was we try to teach the same methods. And sometimes what works for one may not work for another. So it's really, really important to sort of have that holistic approach and really, again, dialing in on the specific um, individual and saying what's going to work best for them. Uh, maybe they're a shorter player. Maybe they're a taller player. Um, you know, maybe they don't have as much flexibility as an example. So, you know, there's a lot of variables that come into play. And I think as we develop and become uh, more proficient in our, our task, uh, it's, it's becoming easier to understand how we can help players on a more individual basis. Um, having said that, and I mentioned, of course, the technology, um, you guys have some favorite equipment that you're using or have tried as of uh, as of right now what's some of your favorite equipment that you guys like to work with yeah so i mean in terms of technology teaching equipment i mean trackman is is a fantastic tool to to get people to to kind of get that that first step of it, at least understanding the golf swing or even, even understanding kind of ball flight and and, and club um you know parameters uh and if, if they can get that first step you know it's a huge it's a huge step forward in in understanding the game as a whole, um, you know, understanding why a golf ball goes off to the right or the left, if it's, if it's a club path or if it's club face or if it's, you know, whatever it may be, that's, uh, that's definitely one of my favorite tools. Um, I think it just provides so much, so much feedback that somebody can see and really immediately plug that into, you know, how do I make a physical change to make something happen differently to the golf ball? So that's, yeah, I mean, we, we nowadays as instructors, it's, it's hard to live without, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's got to be my favorite. Well, and I think now as we see, um, you know, the earlier golf professionals didn't have the same technology that's available now. And, and again, with uh, a multitude of apps that are out there, you're able to gather a lot more information in a very short period of time. Um, so doing things like assessments, uh, you know, are much different. Typically, you know, in the past you would stand on the range and, you know, watch them hit a few balls, but now you're able to get through the information through apps and, and other devices as well, gather even more information that typically, uh, and that's not to say that, you know, uh, a good trained eye isn't good, uh, but I think the technology has certainly taken it to a whole new level. And uh, I think this is why you're seeing, uh, particularly a lot of the younger instructors coming up now are very, very excited about it because, one, they like to work with the technology, but also um, they're able to get that information, they understand that information, and are able to make an assessment uh, and get the person on track uh, much quicker, uh, perhaps, than, than maybe what they might have 20 years ago. So it's very, very interesting and exciting to see Absolutely. how it goes. And it sounds, yeah, it sounds like you guys are right on the, on the cusp of, of a lot of the leading technology and uh, obviously that uh, is why you've got uh, a top-notch uh, uh, golf academy. Um, Elliot, the Olympics uh, just happened, uh, in fact, just wrapping up. And uh, golf, of course, has been uh, now part of the Olympics. Uh, this is the second time that uh, uh, golf has played a role in the Olympics. A lot of people didn't think it would ever happen and weren't too sure whether it should happen. Um, but I think it's, it, it's working out well for the game. Give me your thoughts uh, about the events that just happened and uh, what you think it means for Olympic golf in the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I was, I was, you know, when I heard it was coming back to the Olympics, I was a little on the fence about it. I didn't really know how that was going to play out. You know, it's these guys are, are lured by uh, so many different, you know, tours and and you know, the prize purses mm -hmm. and things like that. 
and I was I was just totally into it. I mean, I thought it was just such a great uh, even even though there wasn't any fans there, I was yeah, I thought it was so so great for the exposure for you know the game in general. A lot of people that that may not even have viewed any golf before, but that you know tune into the Olympics and and see some golf on TV. I mean, that's great for us. Um, and you know, I mean, I would have I would have loved to have seen the Aussies do a little bit better, but um, two goals for the US <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty pretty impressive. But also you know on mm-hmm. that is that the so many different countries get to participate and so many people that may not have had the opportunities to play in PGA tour events or European tour events, you know, because they're so good for their country, they can go out and they can play in the Olympics. And, you know, it's not a tournament they have every year. It's, it's once every four years. So, you know, right. I mean, for every other sport that's in the Olympics, it's maybe the pinnacle of, of their sport, maybe not the NBA or sorry, basketball, but you know, for track and field and for swimming and things like that, that's the pinnacle of the, of their, of their sport. So, you know, putting some, putting it in a different perspective and, and this is only a tournament we get to play in every four years and you may only ever get to play in one Olympics. That's, uh, that's pretty special for those guys that went out there and, and, and girls that went out, went out there and, and, and medaled and even just participated, honestly. You know, it, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, for years, um, I'm obviously older than you are, um, you know, I've watched the Ryder Cup for quite a number of years and uh, for many of those Ryder Cups, those earlier Ryder Cups, the U.S. dominated. And then all of a sudden, you know, when uh, great players like Seve Ballesteros and some of the others that came along that really dug in for uh, Team Europe, uh, we saw uh, a, a sort of an onslaught of international players uh, seem to turn the tides for Team USA and, and, uh, and, and put them back on their heels. And I think, and I want to get your thoughts on this, and the reason why I'm bringing this point up, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of other countries that have developed national teams, which of course the U.S. does not have. Do you think that that has really played a, a very positive role in helping a lot of these other countries develop good quality? I mean, we're seeing it coming out of Korea, we're seeing it coming out of obviously Australia, New Zealand, uh, uh, you know, the U.K. and so forth. We're seeing a lot of, lot, and of course China, uh, strong players coming out of these regions where for decades we didn't really see very many. Do you think having these national teams and now having the Olympics as a, a sort of a carrot, if you will, uh, for international golf uh, is helping to really bring, uh, raise the level of the game as well in, in an international uh, context? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, I can, I can speak from a little bit of experience in Australia. We have the Australian Institute of Sport, which has a golf program, and then each state has their own Institute of Sport. And, you, you know, you get on those golf programs and the structure that they have in place for those golfers or for those athletes is just so good um, in, in developing their skills and develop them, developing them as athletes. And, you know, what, you know, it may not work for everybody. Uh, some people may be dedicated enough to go out and, and do their own programming and, and, you know, work their tail off to, to get all the way to a, to whatever tour that they, they're aiming for. But for a lot of players that may not have the access or the, or the, the, the access to, you know, world-class coaching or, or programming where, you know, they get their diet in shape and they get in the gym and they, you know, they, they become full-fledged athletes. Uh, I think it's a great uh, kind of training ground or proving ground to, to get these athletes to the, to the, absolute of their performance for sure 
you know, we're seeing more so on the ladies' tour, I think, uh, more of an, an initially an impact than we have been on uh, the men's tours, um, primarily because, uh, again, a lot of these international um, groups, if you will, are churning out top quality. I mean, we're seeing it, uh, again, on the LPGA and on Symmetra, of course, as a lead into the LPGA. Um, I mean, I, I have the pleasure of interviewing a lot of the Symmetra players and some of the LPGA, and I'm just seeing an onslaught of international players. And I'm wondering if you think, and I'm just curious on your thoughts on this, because, um, again, the U.S. does not have a international team. Do you think that with the development of a lot of these international teams all over the globe, and, and now that golf has become really a global game, that the U.S. might look at doing something very similar uh, because I, and again, I'm using the Ryder Cup and, and, and that as an example. Um, U.S. has, again, dominated for, for so many decades with uh, a lot of their players, but you look at some of these other nations and their golf is developing very, very rapidly. Um, and again, we see it more on the women's tour uh, right now, but I think eventually the men's tour is going to catch up and you're going to see a lot more international players dominating the PGA Tour as well. What are your thoughts here? Do you think this is something that the U.S., might want to take a look at? I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that, that, you know, they have dominated for so long and it, it'll be, it will be really interesting to see, you know, if they don't move to a program like that, what happens to their golf. Um, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, looking at how many of the top, you know, X amount of players in the world, there would be, you know, the majority of those would be American players. Um, Maybe not, maybe not so much on the women's tour now, uh, and it, and it could well be right. because of those programs. It could be well, you know, those those you know national teams that they're really pushing them into these programs and and developing developing them as athletes from such a young age. That could be you know where it's at. I think the level of competition for for junior golfers in the U.S. is is just fantastic, and I think you know there's no other country that I'm aware of that has you know a college system that that you can go in and be as competitive mm -hmm. and and, you know, play college golf and, and still, you know, study and, and you know, become an adult and kind of learn what it's like to, to travel and to play and to tour. Um, so I think that that is, that's a huge part of it as well. You know, so Australia, we don't, we don't have college sports. We have, you go to school and you go into school and that's it. And if you want to go play golf, then that's kind of on your own time. You can't go be right. a student athlete. So, you know, there's something to be said for that as well. So I, I don't know if it's, necessarily that that's the perfect route to go would be a, you know, a national program. Um, but it, you know, it's obviously producing some pretty good results from, you know, various <laughs> different countries. I mean, again, just from experience, Australia, you know, Mark Leishman and Cam Smith, they were both in the, the Australian Institute of Sport, mm -hmm. our national training program. Um, but you look at someone like Adam Scott who went and played a year of college golf. So right. it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting point. And I, to, to be honest, to answer your question, I don't, I don't I don't know. I mean, it'd be it'd be a it'd be a great uh, it'd be a great look back to see, you know, if, if they didn't do it, you know, where they are in five or ten years years in in the tours, and you know, if they did do it, well, they're going to dominate again. So I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> well, you know, the reason why I ask that is because you know, if you look at where golf is going, and again, it's obviously a very individual sport, but the Olympics is more. Uh, again, even though there's individual competition, it's more of a team environment. And, you know, uh, uh, the reason I use the the um, Ryder Cup as an example uh, to sort of lead in with, if you look at how 
uh, over the last decade or so how team, team USA has has you know fared against Team Europe. Team Europe has has come in literally as a team. Uh, the players were much more; they gelled much better. Uh, again, it was just the, the environment that they've uh, sort of come up in and developed their their skills. Um, and Team USA tended to have more of an individual mindset coming in. So I'm just wondering if if maybe getting into more of a team uh, format, uh, again, you're still playing individually, but in, into a um, that sort of a mindset might work very well, not just in a Ryder Cup, but also for the Olympics, because you've got to have that. You can't just come in. I mean, we've seen, uh, again, in the Ryder Cup, when Phil and Tiger were paired off a few years back, um, they didn't play so well together. Uh, they're very individual. They didn't do very well. Um, and some of the players, again, do extremely well. But Europe has predominantly, I think, for, for many, many seasons now, just seems to gel a little bit better. So I'm just wondering if that's, uh, if that's something that team uh, or U.S. in general might want to take a closer look at. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about world golf. Um, we've seen a lot happening over the last year and a half because of the pandemic, as an example. Um, uh, some positives, obviously, uh, in golf. Uh, we've seen a, a, a major uptick in the number of rounds that have been played over previous years. We've seen a lot of new golfers coming in, uh, you know, into the fold, if you will. I'm sure you guys have seen, uh, despite some of the, the COVID restrictions, I'm sure you guys have seen quite a bit in your facility of, of new golfers. And, you know, as you mentioned, golfers that hadn't played for, you know, uh, 10, 20 years, suddenly, you know, coming back anew. So what are your thoughts here with the future of the game? Where do you, what do you see happening um, and where do you see it going as, as it transitions, uh, you know, maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road? What do you see happening with the future of golf? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, we've seen a huge uptick in, in rounds played, um, you know, across the board. The industry as a whole has, has, has kind of seen the same thing. Um, and honestly, I, I think that, you know, we as golf professionals need to work really hard in, in you know, retaining the golfers that we've either just gotten back or, or have just come in that are, are new um, you know, work hard on keeping them playing golf. Uh, you know, I really hope that it does stay that way. And, um, you know, what a, what a great sport you can play it until, you know, basically you're immobile. You know, it's, it's, there's not many other sports that you can, you don't have to have somebody you're playing against. You can go out and be socially distanced and be just as social as you want to be. Um, you know, I think a lot of even younger golfers, you know, not junior golfers that are getting into it from a super young age, but, you know, the 20 to 30-year-old golfers that are coming in for a social round of golf on a weekend that, you know, wouldn't have done that before, that's, that's huge. And I think that if we can, if we can retain those guys, um, figure out how we, how we make it fun, uh, make it, you know, pace of play, try and keep it, you know, enjoyable in, in, in that perspective, um, and don't, you know, don't close ourselves off to, to, you know, who can come and play. You know, I think access is, mm-hmm. is a huge part of it and people feeling like that they're welcome to come out and play golf. You know, we're a public facility and, and you know, we have from the youngest of golfers to the oldest of golfers come out and play and, and we hope that everybody enjoys their time out there and, and we try and, you know, make it a, a five-star experience for them. And, um, yeah, so we're going to work really hard to try and keep those people's, those people, people's interest and their business and, and keep them in, in golf. Um, and, that, you know, that, a lot of that stems from instruction and helping them play better golf and um, and then hoping that they can enjoy their golf a little bit more. Uh, I think, you know, obviously 
sometimes nowadays it's it's a little hard to get a tea time on a weekend, but um, you know, figuring out how you know maybe it's not maybe you don't have to go play 18 holes, we go play nine holes, or mm-hmm. you know whatever that might look right. like. I think there's going to be some changes changes in the industry in that in that perspective. Well, and uh, you're right on, uh, spot on, by the way, Elliot. I think also too, uh, we have a different breed of golfers coming up um, than when I was was growing up. I'm you know late 50s, so that gives you an idea of the demographic I'm in. Um, you know, there was more of that country club mentality. Um, you know, you join a club, you belong in a club, you play the club. Um, now with so many great resorts and so many great opportunities like Windstar uh, to get out there and play and have a new experience. Um, is is offering different challenges, new challenges uh, to uh, your typical golfer, and even more so now with the millennials coming up, um, they're looking at golf a little bit differently. They're not really interested in the traditional uh, golf. That doesn't mean they don't want to go out and play 18 holes or or even nine holes. Um, but joining a, a specific club is not necessarily something that's at least at this point is in the forefront. They're looking for a whole different experience. I know you're familiar with Top Golf as an example. Um they're looking at 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 bringing um that generation of golfer um exposing them to the game in a different way. Is that something that you think moving forward uh, and I'm not just saying uh Top Golf, but I'm just using them as an example. Next Links is another uh company that's uh that's taking sort of technology and and making golf a little bit more interesting uh for this younger generation coming up. Um is that something that you see that in addition to our traditional formats that we've done for years, if we really want to continue to grow the game, that we've got to start bringing in new um, ways of, of approaching golf uh, than maybe what we typically have done in the past? Um, your, your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know, with, with the technology that we have available to us and being able to play virtual golf and, and you know, Playstations and Xboxes and things like that have always been, you know, when I was growing up, that was a huge thing. And, and now you can play golf against your friends on, on those, those systems and things like that. So I think that's definitely a huge part to it. Um, and yeah, I think that we just have to kind of adapt to, uh, to the industry needs and, and, and kind of keep capturing, I think, you know, what, what those people want. I think some of my, the funnest golf that I've played in, in recent years was, was a, a pitch and putt pass re-golf course with, some of some of my mm-hmm. buddies and and it wasn't that it was a long golf course it wasn't a traditional golf course but it was some of the funnest time that I've had on a golf course just because I was with my best friends and <laughs> and you know we were just having a good time so I think that there's you know enjoyment factor has to be there that the welcomeness people need to feel welcome to be getting onto the golf course and and not feel intimidated to be able to go out there and and play and I think you know what we might see is more of those you know country clubs that are struggling for membership because there's a lot of people that don't want to pay for memberships uh, sure. that strictly you know, make them play at that one golf course, you know, we'll see a hybrid, we'll see semi-private golf courses where, where people can pay to be a member and they'll play as much golf as they want there. And some people will be able to have a daily fee and, and it'll be, you know, you can play here a certain amount of days or, or whatever it might look like. So, you know, adapting with, with that industry need is going to be huge to, to retaining the golfers that we've just gained. Yeah, because again, everybody's looking for a different experience. Um, you know, the millennials, uh, as I said, are, are, uh, looking at golf a little bit differently than perhaps you know uh, you and I have in the past. Uh, I know you're, as I said, you're younger than me, so you obviously have a, probably even a slightly different viewpoint uh, than, than what I've had over the years. But I'm I'm starting to recognize now. You know, we've talked about growing this game for for many many decades, and certainly we've seen a lot of growth in, in women's golf. 
And I'm sure you guys have noticed that at your facility as well, a lot more, uh, not just young women, but women in general coming out uh, and wanting to play and wanting to be part of uh, this great game. So there's a lot of uh, different directions that we can really go into um, without really giving up some of the traditional aspects of it but just adding to it. So in other words, it's you know kind of like a, a, a great dinner menu. You're always adding new entrees, adding new appetizers on, that sort of thing. And I think that's where I see the real growth in the game is, is not just taking the same old menu, um, having a new menu with some freshness, some updates along the way, and still offering some of the old favorites on there as well. Um, do you see that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I, I... You said it perfectly. It's that's exactly what it is, and and again, just just catering to those people's needs, and 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 yeah, I mean, I think for for women's golf, you know, the social aspect of it is is huge. You know, women's women's league golf and things like that. If we can if we can be more open to that, and and just you know, great great different kind of programs like Operation Thirty Six is a great one to help get people out there on the golf course, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, anything we can do to 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 get people on the course, keep them on there. You know, driving range is great, but you know people need to spend a little time there, but it's, it's not the golf course. So get people out there having fun playing golf. And, you know, it, 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 it looks different for everybody, for everybody. You know, I, I, I certainly enjoy going out and playing 18 holes. Uh, but you know, you can have just as much fun if you're playing five holes or, or if it's nine holes or whatever your time constraint is and, you know, whatever that may look like for you, whether it's, you know, playing with some, some music on, I'm not talking, you mm-hmm. know, the loudest of loud music where you're disrupting everybody else. But, you know, that's the traditional part of it where, right. where it's, you know, it may, it may not have, that wouldn't have been appropriate when I was growing up playing junior golf, but nowadays it's, right. it's kind of a ritual. So, you know, changing to that, that industry need and, and, you know, accommodating those people to help them enjoy their time just a little bit more is, is I think of vital importance. Well, and, and you're exactly right. Um, you know, this is, Again, not to to sort of just zero one on one specific group, um, but this is really what the millennial golfers are looking for. They're looking, uh, you know, for that sort of golf plus experience. They they enjoy you know traditional golf too, but they want to get out there and they want to have fun. They want to, you know, it's an opportunity for them to meet and and sort of mingle with their with their fellow millennials, if you will, and meet new people. And it's just it's a very social thing uh, for them. It's not you know, typical go out and play with my business associates, you know, doing deals on the golf course, that's still always going to happen. Um, but it's, it's, it's something entirely different to some of the younger golfers coming up. And I think that the industry as a whole really needs to, um, you know, embrace that uh, because it's like every industry, changes happen and, you know, either you, you change along with it or you stagnate and, and unfortunately go out of business. I want to ask you, um, and we're going to go back to Windstar, but we're going to go with you here for a second. Uh, when you drive up in the mornings uh, for work, what is it that you look most forward to, and what's a perfect day for Elliot? Oh, man, that's a good question. Uh, obviously, no clouds in the sky. Uh, that's one thing. Um, <laughs> but just people just people being happy. You know, it's it's – Again, it's it's seeing people out on the range. You know, you get to wave to people in the morning that that maybe regulars or maybe first timers out there, and and you know if they're having a great time and they're enjoying that time at Windstar, you know that's that's all that I can really hope for, and, and making sure that they can go home happy as well. Um, you know, enjoying their day on the golf course and and you know leaving with a smile on their face is is huge for me. Um, 
And if we can help you improve your golf as well, even better. And you've got a, a great group of uh, golf professionals there that uh, work alongside and, and help out there. Um, you guys obviously have, uh, again, you're a very well-equipped academy in that. Do you have, um, what's sort of your overall agenda? Obviously, you want to improve and, and help the, the golfers improve in that, but do you go in with a specific mindset? And I'm going to try to clarify this so, if, so I make sense. Um, do you have a specific agenda when you guys open up in the mornings and that? What is it you're really trying to accomplish there? Obviously making it more enjoyable for the average golfer in there, but do you have uh, sort of an overall agenda? This is what we really want to do. We want when people come to Windstar's Golf Academy, this is the experience we want them to have. Yeah, I mean, we, we say, you know, the Windstar experience, and that is, you know, it, it, it's first class. I mean, it's, it's for a public access facility, uh, there's nothing close, you know, within probably, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to ballpark at a hundred miles. There's nothing public access mm-hmm. that anyone can just walk in off the street and experience what they do out there with us. You know, we, we custom club fit. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of tour level um, club fitting and, and instruction. So, you know, really our goal is, is kind of on the flip of that is, you know, what's our student's goal. And that's kind of where we start, whether it be they're here for one lesson and their goal is X, or if they are kind of local or semi-local and they're going to be back multiple times, you know, we can have a, a lesson package drawn up for them and, and, you know, our end goal is this and we're going to help you achieve that. So, um, yeah, just providing that kind of well-rounded experience of, of improvement, enjoying your time um, and experiencing something that you may not have experienced somewhere else. Yeah, I think that's so important. I think it's, it all boils down, you're exactly right, it all boils down to the experience um, that you want people to have. You want them to come, and obviously you want them to have a good experience, and it sounds like you guys have a, a first-class uh, facility all the way around from not only the golf courses to your golf academy, but to all of the other amenities as you touched on earlier. Um, and again, you want when people come through the doors, figuratively speaking, is you want them to sort of have that wow factor, say, Look what they got here. There's all kinds of great things to do. I can play some great golf. I can get some help with my game and obviously can have some entertainment and fun along the way. So it's an overall experience that you really want to uh, accomplish in that. Are there anything specific that you guys are working on right now um, towards the future? Any any special events coming up that maybe you want to share with the audience? Um, uh, things that maybe Windstar is going to be doing from uh, – golf perspective that uh, you guys are uh, looking to incorporate in the future? Anything that's uh, coming up that you want to share? Oh, we're always working on something. Um, right now we're, <laughs> we're, we're remodeling our clubhouse. Uh, so that's going to be exciting to, to unveil once it's kind of all done. Um, in terms of golf events, we've got um, some uh, Oklahoma and, and Texas junior golf events that are going to be coming out to Winstar, and, and that'll be exciting to host. But, um, you know, we, we stay really busy. We've got a lot of great partners that come through and, and support us and, um, you know, a lot of a lot of different golf tournaments that we host. So to say that I'm excited for one, I wouldn't I wouldn't go there. But uh, no, we're very fortunate for for you know the people that that do come out and support us and and the the, the business relationships that we have. And if the listeners want to get more information um, on Windstar, where can they go? What's the website they can go to and and check out uh, uh, if they're planning a trip maybe out your way? 
Sure, yeah. So winstar.com, W-I-N-S-T-A-R.com, and then you'll find us under the amenities tab. Um, you can kind of read up about what's going on out there at the golf course. Uh, you can book tee times online. You can send uh, instruction requests, all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah, winstar.com. Perfect. Well, Elliot, I want to thank you very much for joining me this evening on Golf Talk Live. It's been interesting to uh, learn about what you do and obviously uh, learn about Windstar as well. It looks like a great, I haven't been there yet, but I'm going to make a point of coming out and visiting you guys uh, here hopefully in the near future. And uh, and I think it's a great facility. It looks like it's uh, a lot of fun. You guys have got, again, uh, some world-class uh, championship golf courses and a, a world-class uh, golf academy there as well. But um Thank you very much for joining me this evening on Golf Talk Live, and I appreciate it. And uh, much continued success, and uh, enjoy the rest of your season, and hopefully we'll see you soon. Ted, thank you so much for having us on. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. And, yeah, come on out and visit us. We'd love that. All right, sounds good. Elliot, thank you very much, and have a great weekend. Likewise. All right, that was my very special guest, the Golf Operations Director at Winster Golf Club, Elliot Sullivan. Again, you can go to winstar.com, and uh, all of the uh, amenities are there. But if you go under the amenities tab, you can uh, learn more about the golf specifically, and you can reach out, as he said. There's uh, contact information there if you're interested in lessons and setting something up with their uh, great golf academy as well. Um, he and his uh, rest of the crew there are, are certainly going to be uh, happy to, uh, to assist you in any way. And it does, uh, as I said, look like a great uh, facility all the way around, lots of things to do there. Uh, besides some great golf. So hopefully you check it out. Go to winstar.com to get more information. All right, I want to thank the guys uh, earlier, John and Pete, uh, for doing a great job. And again, uh, just uh, got a message here a little while ago from Pete. And uh, as he mentioned, they had a a rough storm going through there, and he had to cut it short towards the end. But uh, just wanted to uh, let me know that he was safe and and nothing major. But uh, uh, he looked like his power was uh, fluctuating a little bit. But anyways, I want to thank the guys for joining me uh, here on the show. Always uh, do a great job in the Coach's Corner panel. And again, a special thank you to this evening's guest, Mr. Elliot Sullivan, uh, the Golf Operations Director at Windstar Golf Club. Uh, on that note, I will see you next week with another great panel on the Coach's Corner and uh, another uh, insightful interview with my very special guest. I hope you'll tune in. God bless everybody and have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel, and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.